What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, some of you may have heard of him through PDR interviews. Some of you may have heard of him since he's been in business since 1993. But today we have Randy Hobson. Uh, he has seen the industry change a lot since 1993 and has, quite frankly has helped contribute to part of that as well. And now he is one of the few people who has actually sold his PDR business to the next generation. Today we talk about Randy's story, how he got started in PDR, and how he exited PDR. Welcome to the show, Randy. Good morning. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I saw that you, uh, I guess, kind of announced this on Facebook. And um, I've been meaning to kind of get you on and, you know, I mean to get a lot of people on and then it kind of the world happens. And I, I went on your PDR interview show, got, got to have been a year ago or maybe, I would say. maybe even yeah. in 2020, probably. Um, and I was like, man, I got to get Randy on, got to get Randy on. And then that happened. And I'm like, this is perfect. So I messaged you and you're like, well, I got nothing else to do now. <laughs> so I sold my business. <laughs> um, happy to do it. So um, how I like to start every interview and this one will be cool because we'll get to hear the ending of it too but how did you uh find this weird little niche of pdr back in 93 wow so uh <laughs> it's it, it it's some of that story with the guys that i met first doing it have been on pdr interviews um and some of them have just amazing stories but the way i found it i was a uh, automotive reconditioning manager for a detail shop for a large dealership here in st louis and back in 90 90, 91, mm -hmm. uh, when this really started hitting the streets, uh, Dent Wizard guys would come into our dealership. And the first uh, six Dent Wizard guys were the ones that would come to our dealership. But I would deal with two of those guys, two, actually three of them. And that's how I found it. I remember first seeing it, and the guy would, as soon as I walked up, he'd constantly kick his tools underneath the car. And yeah, I'm not doing it anything. just made me want to know more about it. You know? <laughs> That was the funniest thing back in the day because my, my dad started in 91 and he used to tell me all that. And my dad was never like a secretive person because for whatever reason, he understood how difficult it was. Not for whatever reason, because it was difficult. And so he never hit it really. But most people would hide behind sheets and have their own like little booths that they would go into. Pretty fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fascinating. And as a detailer being beat up by... Uh, Man, car managers all the time over yeah. pricing and quality and this and that i would see these i would see this these two dent guys come in here yeah. and uh they were treated like gods yeah. you know and and i've seen that change too where they don't value us as much as they used to yeah uh, which is really sad to see that because it's such a valued service that we offer it's in a profession it's so fascinating. Like I'd have to go back and compile them all, but just anecdotally listening, because I've asked that question to probably 80 people, 80 plus people. Um, man, it's got to be 90% of people who were in an automotive related business, saw a dent guy come in, saw him leave, saw him treated well, saw how much they made in that short time frame, you know, what their invoice was at least, et cetera. And we're like, I should do this. Like that's yeah. most people, which is pretty cool. Pretty fucked 
pretty funny way to really how the industry grew like essentially like the most word of mouth way you could or not even word of mouth but just like seeing people wow what is that guy doing yeah, um, yeah. okay so so you mentioned earlier we we're talking a little bit that you actually I'm, i'll jump around a little bit but you bought sure. you bought a pdr business right i did is that how you started in pdr or did you start no this? uh so let me go back to how we started real yeah. quick so i started because i i saw this i was intrigued by it I knew that wholesale detailing was not going to give me the lifestyle that I wanted, provide the life for me and my family that, that a person needs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that detailers, some detailers can't make it, but that's the really tough, tough job. And uh, they're kind of at the bottom of the pole when it comes to wholesale, um, unfortunately. Making minimum so, wage, basically, right? Whatever that is now. For the most part, they work their tails off. Uh, but I love the job. I love, I love that when you could make a, a dirty, you know, an old dirty trade and make it look good again. Yeah. It's the same thing with paintless dent repair, yeah. you know? So you, you see that, that big smash, which back in the day, we were only fixing quarter size and, you know, quarter yeah. size yeah, sure. envelope, you know, but then people come up and say, Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Well, they've kind of forced us into doing that. And each dealership, mm -hmm. I would say really pushed a lot of dent guys to their, you know, just extremely, I don't know. They, they pushed us into pushing larger dents. I agree. Yeah, for sure. And so, so started in 93 found, by leaving the company and just grabbing some tools and just like everyone no, else. No, I found that I saw something in a newspaper ad for Help Wanted and mm -hmm. I responded. And uh, it was a company here in St. Louis and he trained me. And that's how I did it. And I worked for him for six months and um, that was it. And I said, I can... Uh, you know, I didn't know if it was for me or not. I went and worked for a dealership and run another detail department for two years. And as that happened, I was doing the dent work for them too. And I actually sharpened my skills up quite a bit at that point. And, and that's how I started. And then you started your own business. I, after that, I went right into my own business. And what was that called? Uh, that's Dent Trust USA, but it was Dent Trust. Yeah. Dent Trust. Nice. Awesome. Yes. And so that was 93. Or that, that was 90. That was probably 95 when I okay. actually started. So you actually first, like the six months was 93 and then 95 started their own business. So yes. How did that go? Super successful day one? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had, you know, at this point I had, I had a few years experience underneath my belt and uh, I, you know, I, 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 at least I had experience and I had a good name in the dealer network. Yeah. So I started off doing wholesale, just doing route stuff. I did that for, you know, up till 2003 and a big hailstorm hit here in St. Louis, uh, 2001 and 2003, but the 2001 was just major mm -hmm. and it kept me busy for two years. It kept me busy right up to the next one that happened in 2003. Wow. And in 2003, I have all my relationships with the dealerships and they brought in all these other teams. Uh, they brought in teams. I should say not all of the teams, but some, some places had them, some places didn't, but at 2003, our market was really getting, um, it was moving forward yeah. <laughs> as I could, you know, I would say it was really moving forward. There was a lot more competition even than there was in 2001. And when 2003 hit, I really got upset. I got butt hurt. <laughs> I had a lot of mind garbage going on thinking yeah. all these bad things, uh, as far as the dealerships that didn't use me. Mm -hmm. uh, not really looking at like saying, Hey, I couldn't fix all these cars. There's right. no way I could fix these cars, but I was offended that they didn't trust me to fix them. And, and that's the way I thought that they didn't trust me to fix them. 
uh, that wasn't it. There was no way that I could fix all this damage. Yeah. And uh, I should have known that from 2001. Yeah. So at 2003, I said, you know what? Screw doing the route work. And uh, I went chasing hail. And I chased hail all the way up till last year. Oh, and wow. we did buy Dent Squad. And we, we purchased Dent Squad uh, in October of 20. So about a year and, I don't know, two, three months ago. Uh, my intentions, and that's the oldest paintless dent repair shop in the United States. All that. It's got a really cool story in itself. And you guys, yeah. anybody can go on the website and read it. It's dentsquad.com. But in a nutshell, it was owned by Ferd, uh, Robert Ferd Frank. And he was a guitar player for John Mellencamp. He had a, uh, an accident uh, back in the 80s and he cut his hand. So he couldn't play guitar anymore. He was from the body shop industry. He came back and worked for his parents. Uh, he ran into Jerry Powell. Jerry Powell trained him back in 1989. Huh. He came out. And this is what's interesting. This is where really we go with the show. Well, first he called it Dunt Masters. And nobody was going after Dunt Masters. It didn't have a catchy name or anything like that. So he changed it to Dent Squad four months into it. And this is after being trained. He changed his name. He, he paid $150,000 for training for two months for him and his partner, Lynn. They paid $150,000. I'm sorry, for four months training. Oh, I was like, when they came back, they started this company. What's that? Still 154 months. All right. For four months. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when they came back from training, they started this company, Dent Masters. It happened for four months. Uh, and then they said, nobody's coming in here. They went to the bank, got a $100,000 loan out. The first 150 was theirs. And they got a $100,000 loan out. And they changed the name to Dent Squad. They bought old police cars. They fixed them up, painted them, put the little the star on them. Uh, the man created things way before time, <laughs> for our time, for the PDR industry. Yeah. He, uh, he, he had a theme. And before you know it, they had six cars out. And they were traveling all around St. Louis, fixing cars at dealerships and body shops. He had a saleswoman who dressed all up as a cop. Huh. She had black stockings and a short skirt and white blouse and a hat and earrings, the big stars on the den squad. And I actually have, I own all that when I bought the company. I wanted all of that, that past so that we could keep the past alive in the showroom. So when people would come in, because he had this, he's, the business has been in the same location since 1989. Yeah, that's crazy. In in so, an auto mall, right? It's in an auto mall. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's an auto mall on on Old Route sixty six that goes right through St. Louis. It's on Watson Road. It's in Crestwood, Missouri. It's a great area, great customer clientele. And yeah, I like tried. A, that sounds like a dent documentary, like in the making, yeah. waiting to happen. Man, Come it on. is such. It's such a cool story. It's a great area, and uh, Ferd. I've been Ferd for many years. Mm. He. He actually told me he wanted to sell it. I went around and tried to help him sell it to a lot of local businesses. Nobody wanted it. And that I just couldn't understand. And I didn't think his price was obnoxious at all. Um, but nobody wanted it. And it kept staying in my mind. I was back on the hail trail for another year. And I told my wife, I said, when I come back, I'm buying Dunn Squad. I said, if nobody's bought it, that's my sign. I'm going to buy it. Because I saw the value in buying somebody's business, mm -hmm. especially somebody who was in business for many, many years. Now, the cherry on top for me was the name. It was definitely the name. It was the history of what was in that company. And when I bought it, I didn't take the whole thing of saying I'm changing it. I wanted to maximize the potential of his customers, our friendship, and the story behind Dent Squad that he never told to people. 
that he played guitar for John Mellencamp, who was Johnny Cougar. He put four albums together with him. And I think when you, uh, you know, this whole segment is about buying a business, starting a business, uh, maybe the right steps. I think your podcast is all about the mindset, so forth. I think we have to look, if you're, if you're in business, you're an entrepreneur. And so many of us are just doing our routes, you know, place, you know, route to route, dealership to dealership. And no matter what it is, if you want a retail location, and honestly, that's where I see everything going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the, the bright side of our industry looking forward is retail locations. You, you stop losing the, your percentages that you're giving to body shops. You, um, you, you deal directly with the customers. And you, I mean, I think a lot of it too, is like legitimizing what we're doing too. Um, I think that's been an issue for us for, since the beginning of the dent industry is a lot of people think we just kind of, we're just in and out fly by night stuff. And, and we kind of are, some of us are like really legit, like really good at that, but that's what we've been, you know, I'll meet you in a parking lot and fix your debt. It's hard to, right. hard to legitimize that, you know? And I think the, I think the shops does that. Um, and so this is something I didn't even know until I talked to you, like just right before the call here, but you, I was bringing you on because you actually sold a PDR business. I didn't even realize that you bought the PDR business too, which is, which is, which is even greater, honestly, for purchasing and reselling. Like, like it can happen, right? I, I don't think absolutely that it can happen. Um, I, I think it's important. I mean, depending on where you are at in your life, I mean, I'm 55 mm-hmm. and uh, I bought it thinking I would do this until I was 60 yeah. and with hopes to pass it on to my son-in-law or sell it to somebody. Yeah. And I did sell this. I sold Dent Squad to my son-in-law, Adam Fountain. Yeah. And he's going to do fantastic with it because he has a great mindset. He's a great you know, technician. And, uh, it's, you know, but I think when you're looking forward, you know, is if we're talking to an individual out there and he's like, yeah, well, I start my own business. Do I buy my own business? Become friends with the person that's with some of these older guys that's in the industry. Mm-hmm. It, it, my advice to a younger guy would be become friends with them. Stop by and say hi to them. Take them a cup of coffee, bring them a coffee and donut. Say, Hey, I just wanted to stop in and introduce myself. Mm-hmm. I'm Randy Hobson. And, and that's how I introduced myself to Ferd was I stopped in there and then I took a, a, you know, there was a bar next to him and I said, Hey, let's go grab a beer. And we built a friendship on that. Yeah. And when you do that, that allows two things. One, you build trust with that person. He sees that you're not out to get him. You're, you're a pretty level-headed young man or young person. And uh, the second wall, I think what it does is it allows you to see their business from behind the uh, front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to see how structured they are. If, if they're organized, uh, you know, you'll find stuff that you really like, you'll things that you'll see things that you don't. But what I think the third thing, and the most importantly is you'll see how busy their shop is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened with me and Ferd. So when he wanted to sell it, I was trying to help him sell it. Nobody, nobody looked at it. I mean, people looked at it. Nobody wanted to pay him. I'm just like, I couldn't understand it. Cause every time I would stop in there just to see, I did this for a year just to see how busy his shop was. And every time I'd go in there, he was always busy <laughs> or his phones were ringing or whatever. Yeah. And do your homework on a business that you want to buy. If this is the route you want to take. Okay. So, so I want to talk about real quick, kind of what it takes to be able to get a business in a position to either, either 
you know, to want to purchase it or, or to sell it. Um, I know it can't be, uh, I'm out here. I fix dents. I do $20,000 a month in fixing dents and I want somebody to buy my route from me. No contracts. Um, I just show up to my dealers every week. I do some whole, I do some retail cars. I got a 500 customers or whatever that, that you can't sell. There is nothing to right. sell there. And right. that's the position that most of us are in. Maybe we have one, one guy that helps us out, you know, um, you can't sell that. So right. what do you, what do we need to do as an industry or as a, as a, a business owner to get our businesses in a position that someone like Randy or some younger kid wants to come see it? Like what, what, do, what do we need to do? Not just get busy. Um, what is it? Let's go down that road. Cause I think, okay. I think the first thing you have to do, and I noticed your name is Dent Pro. Yeah. I think the first thing you need to do is, is choose a really good name. Um, you know, and then you're building your clientele and it's okay if you're building your clientele around wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 100% agree with you. If you're doing dealer work, uh, route work, you're going to the know. body shops, you're going yeah. there, there's no contracts. Your, yeah. your, your business is zero value. There's a zero value on it. Yeah. I've had guys it's that really, it's they a found really out it, good job. What's that? It's a really good job. Like we've, uh, most dent guys have created a really great job for ourselves where you can make yes. well into the six figures, very flexible, um, but it's a job. It, you it's, make- it's, that's exactly right. It's a great job. Mm-hmm. It's a great job for you and your family. It's a great way to live, but you should always have an exit plan. Yeah. And part of your exit plan has got to be your name, your name up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got to keep track of every customer you have, uh, whether it's dealerships or whatever. Every time you do somebody, you know, somebody's car ding or whatever, keep track of all that information. Yeah. Uh, Use use the software that's out there. There's plenty of companies out there that software. Use that. Keep paying it. Make sure you build your clientele. Get their name, their phone number, their addresses, or emails. It's so important. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to build for the future and you want an exit plan, you've got to think retail. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just have to. Retail is where it's going. And, you know, I, I started a retail shop many years ago. I did okay with it, but I got busy chasing hail. And, uh, I wish looking back is I would have stuck with retail. If there was anything I could have done looking back at all this that I never would have got wrapped up in hail chasing that almighty dollar being away from your family and, uh, being sick on the road. And just, there's, there's a lot of negatives to it. You only work six months out of the year. You know, you have a great expense. Yeah. You make great money, but you're not building a business. If you're an entrepreneur, you're in business for yourself. And if you're in business for yourself, you've got to have an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. And that starts with the name. And once you've got your name, and like I said, even if you're doing route work or any of that, that's great. But build it to start a retail location. When you start a retail location, you don't have to start in the fanciest front, you know, expensive place. Mm-hmm. Although I recommend it. I recommend you get something that's got street value to it. You know, something that we're on a main street, main artery where people can see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I bought this business, people were walking in the door as of day one. They they were coming in. You're talking about customers that's been coming there for 31 years. Yeah. It's today. It's today, and this year is the 34th year it's been in business. You know, there's a value to that where I see customers that's been coming in for 30 plus years. Customers come in and they say, "Hey, I'm here because my grandfather 
brought me and my dad here one time. <laughs> and then my and then my dad started coming. And this is my first time here. Right? It just happened two, three weeks ago. This young man comes in. He goes, this is my first time as a paying customer. And he tells me the story. You'll hear stories of that. That's invaluable. If you can find somebody that's had a retail location, it's been in that spot for 10 plus years. That's starting to hold value. 30 yeah. years holds a lot of value. 20 years holds a lot of value. Absolutely. So. You've got to do the retail location. You got to bite the bullet. You got to invest in. You got to work off your, your work your tail off in order to be able to afford having that retail location. When you leave a retail location to go do your your clientele, if you're a one man band, put a note on the door. Let them know that you are working. Don't yeah. just shut the door and it says, you know, hope they're going to call. Put a note on the door that says, hey, gone fishing. No, don't say gone fishing. Just say, even if you've been gone fishing, <laughs> stretch it. Use one of the notes from the day before but when you honestly, had one like, your dealer. I'm, I'm, I'm a millennial age person now too. And so I think about these things and I'm like, there's no reason why you can't conduct business when you're not in front of the customer. Put a, put a sign on the door. Yes. QR code on the door, put your trackable phone number on the door that goes into your CRM system. Um, answer the phone call, text the person back. You can still fully you know, be an impressive person to that customer, even though you're not, yes. especially nowadays, 20 years ago, way harder. Now, yes. super simple, sign on the door. Here's my number, call, text, send photos here, any of those things. You can still build that reputation, even if you're not sitting at the, the shop every day, in my opinion. That's uh, exactly right. But when you put a note on the door, say something like you're, you're yeah. at your gear. You're at the dealership, your local body. I always, I always put Taking on the of other customers, right? Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah, I just say I'm at one of the local body shops. I'm helping a local body shop. Yeah. Sorry yeah. I missed you. I'm helping a local body shop. And then I write, you know, please feel, feel free to give me a call. And it's on the outside of a building. I think I still write it there. Yeah. Uh, the phone number. So so I'll, I'll detour and then I'm going to come back to, to this. But do you think over the last like four episodes of my of the PDR Coach podcast, I've interviewed people who are adding additional services to their paintless dent repair, whether it's uh, PPF a business called Restore FX, which maybe you've heard of through the MTE stuff. Yes. So PPF, Restore FX, tinting, whatever, bumper painting, all that stuff. It's been a topic of conversation towards the end of 2021. Um, in my, I did Restore FX, in my opinion, starting a retail location and fully staffing it and justifying it has been very difficult just with PDR. Uh, what's your opinion on additional services in, as an automotive appearance I, um, in my in my professional experience and my personal outlook on that uh i think you absolutely need it i mean i don't think you need it we don't have it yeah. uh i do think that there's things that you can benefit from it i mean i listen we do we i should say we do we offer headlight restoration mm. we offer paint touch-up yeah okay uh, the paint touch-up really gets in my way. I'll be honest; yeah. it just gets in my way. We're so busy doing PDR in that little in that little shop. Remember, this shop only holds two cars, <laughs> so it's it's not a great big shop. It's but it's a shop that's been there for years, and I'd rather stay small and busy versus mm -hmm. big and be down. And we're always busy. I mean, you know, we're. You know, I was talking to Adam. He's he's running around today with one of the body shops, but. Uh, the store is always busy for the most part, but we're in January and February in the Midwest, you know, it's icy and snowy here. So uh, this look, it slows down here. We have two months and it slows down mm -hmm. after that. You got 10 months that you do fantastic. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. So I, 
you're, you're going back to that. I would say yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes. I, and we do, I, I think you have to stay focused on what you, what you're doing. Uh, people come in want detailing this and that. I, I don't offer the details. Mm. Uh, it wasn't enough money in it for me, but anything that's easy and quick, a uh, paint touch-up goes perfectly with paintless dent repair. Mm -hmm. There's so many big repairs you can do that have a small crack in it. Yeah. Uh, and that customer doesn't want to take it to a body shop. Yeah. Um, they, they don't want to spend $2,000, but they'll spend a thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, you can lightly touch it up. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're, 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 a, you're a fan as well, which is great. I, I haven't found too many people that are not fans of, of adding a uh, uh, complimentary service. Um, okay. So to go back onto what we were talking about before, uh, in order to, for you to have a business that's attractive to purchase, um, what do you think you need to get it to? Do you need to get it to a point where you as the business owner are not the main technician or you do you have to have a business manager in place? Do you have to, do you have to be in the spot to where that someone purchases it can come replace your spot, which is not fixing dents, you know, 40 hours a week. What, what, what is your opinion I, on where you have to get yourself to? If you want to sell it, um, I didn't have to be there at the shop. I haven't been there in four or five months, to be honest with you, uh, often in, in and out. Uh, but it's, it's been self-running. I, I had a guy in there that's been running at the front office. He's great giving estimates. He's great with customers and follow-up. It's not hard to find a person that wants to do that. Mm. You, the biggest thing is teach them the industry so they can do an, a really good estimate. Yeah. You know, there's so many software, uh, Paul Cordon, in my opinion, is the bomb. He's made me more money than anybody in the industry. Uh, personally, I'm just saying that. Uh, but his software on Mobile Tech RX is so great for that. Yeah. And I've taught somebody that didn't have any experience at all. And he ended up running the front part of the store. And on the backside, I would use subcontractors, all the local guys. I'd use my son-in-law and I would use a lot of the local guys and they would do the work. Uh, I really didn't have to be there. So, but does it have to be to that before you sell it? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, you know, I think Adam, for example, might be better pushing dents and, you know, and, and having the front part ran and him doing all the work and the service work. Uh, he'll probably maximize more money that for himself. It depends on your age, I think. And it depends on what you want. Yeah. And skill set and what you're doing. But if Adam, if Adam like fast forward 10 years from now, Adam wants to sell dent squad He's a tech. He's great tech, right? Billing a bunch every month. He's working, you know, six, eight hours a day on dents or whatever. How does he sell it? Does he sell it and continue to fix dents? Or does he have to sell it to a technician who's going to come in and do the same, same thing as he is? I, I mean, I think, I don't think you have to be a technician. To, I, I know you don't have to be a technician to own a dent company. There's, there's hail companies running around everywhere where these brokers don't know anything about pushing mm -hmm. a dent. Yeah, but it's how do you want to sell it and how do you want to maximize it? Mm -hmm. um, it's for the greatest maxima, maximizing your potential. I and mean, look, we're, we're we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners. Why are we doing this for? I mean, you want to have something that's sellable, and to an, a high investor, he doesn't want to have any headaches with this. He wants to buy a company that he can take, buy, yeah. keep it running the way that it is, and show some profits from it. Yeah. So. I, I mean, the, the smoother running you can have your business is the better. But then again, uh, maybe if you're, if you're not going to sell business, that can't run for itself. There's not a whole lot of value to it. You can't sell it. And my, yeah, my opinion, I, I, I think that's, that's I, my, I, I, my opinion has always been, um, 
I need to get myself into a position that I'm essentially an owner of the business. Granted, I can I can work here and there, I can play backup, I can do whatever, but I need to get myself to an owner position, owner of a business that runs itself, probably a retail shop, whatever, however many techs it ends up being, two, three, four, five techs, whatever services I'm offering, it needs to run itself. That way, when I sell, if I sell my business, I can be replaced by another business owner who can come that's in. And learn. That's that's how I see it. I, I, listen, we're in a service business. Most people do business with you because of your relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, these investors who are buying businesses are smart guys. They, they realize that. That's why most service businesses don't resell very well. Yeah. So if you want to sell and get higher tickets, you need a business that can run itself without you. Yeah, without the relationships, without you yep. shaking everybody's hand. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's the biggest goal. If you want, if you have an exit strategy, like Randy said, you need an exit strategy. If you're going to start a business, you should have an exit strategy. I mean, if you if you know, I went to I went to college for a business management degree. How many years ago? 10, 15 years ago. It's that's always the case. If you write a business plan, at the end of the business plan is your exit strategy. <laughs> no one has right. one in the industry, but we all should. Um, right. And, and if that's if that's your exit strategy to sell your company, these are the types of things that you need to think of is like, how do you remove yourself from being the man? We're all the man. Like like you said, the body, like you walk into a body shop, you're the guy at dealership or whatever. Everybody knows you. Oh, I want to use Corey. I want to use Corey, whatever. I want to use Randy. Um, you need us, you need them to say, like, I want to use Dent Squad, not I want to use Randy. That's what you got to try to shift it over to, right? Before you can potentially sell it successfully. That's true. Your mindset going into it has to be the same throughout. You have to know your exit strategy mm-hmm. and, and set your mindset for that all along the whole path. Yeah. I knew buying this business, I was going to sell it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to sell it within the first couple of years. I didn't, I didn't think that yeah. I never had any dream. I was, I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So, uh, but the time happened, right. Everything was right. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted to keep it until I was 60 and I'm 55. So uh Life goes on and more life to live. <laughs> yes. Yes. For sure. So, um, so the, I think that sums up what we're here to talk about, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, that's what I wanted people to hear. Um, I've been saying that for a long time. Not that I, not that I've even bought and sold a dent company before or bought and sold any companies before, but I just, I understand the process of how it works. So, um, a name, First things first, if you're a solo guy out there, you're one or two people and you're like, man, I do kind of want to sell my business someday. I'm, I'm 40 something. I'm 50 something. I want to sell it someday. And your company's name is Corey's Dent Repair. That You're not going to sell it. That's right. your first criteria. You're not going to sell it. No one's going to buy Corey's Dent Repair. And they don't, they don't, when you buy it, you don't want to change the name. So do that now. Change it to a you know more generic um, maybe some sort of brand that you can create. Like Dent Squad is very creative. I don't even know if you could do that nowadays. Hire hire a woman and put her in a cop outfit and, and have her. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. But something else. <laughs> find a different brand you can make. But um, f- find get the name, get the exit plan, track customer information. I, I ran a couple of uh, of programs called the PDR Launchpad, where I brought new people wanted to start new new businesses right out of training. And that was like one of the biggest themes is like from day one, get customer information. And there's, there's now businesses who are being sold just based off of customer information. Um, For example, um, 
Ty Lopez, like an internet marketer, Lambos on Instagram, whatever. Maybe people have heard of him. They got their own opinions about him. Doesn't matter what your opinion is about him, whether he's a douchebag or not. He's very, very wealthy. He purchased his company, purchased Radio Shack, not for any other reason, except for that you, me, and everybody else in the world has all been to Radio Shack to purchase something over the last 30 years. So now he has the data, customer data of everybody. So that's a huge example. It's a very big example. But if you could have, you know, 2,000, 3,000 retail contacts for your business, what's the value in that, right? That's that's all. If you can get each of those people to come in once a year, that's an entire business, PDR business run, right? So good name, track customer, customer information. And I'll double check with you. I wrote this down, but do you need, do you need a retail facility in order to exit PDR? I absolutely, I absolutely I think so. Too. I think so. Too. It needs, I think. And when you first set up, uh, whether, you know, I wouldn't buy a business if it wasn't in a retail location. Yeah. Um, and looking back and seeing, you know, look, this, this guy bought this or he, he got this retail location in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it wasn't cool. PDR wasn't cool back then. No, heck no. no. You know, even in the mid nineties, it wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, you find a retail location, bite the bullet and just make it happen. Uh, and I'll, stick I'll, with it. I'm going to dig into that a little bit. Did, uh, is this a, le- are you saying leased building or actually purchase a building? No, he leased it. Okay. He, he leased this building. Okay. So it's not even, you don't even have to go, you don't have to buy a building. You can, no. lease, you can rent the building and still have a legitimate business. People walk into it, et cetera. Okay. That's, right. that's good to know, honestly, because that's 99% of what people do is the lease. Sure. You know? And that's what I would write. I mean, I wouldn't start by purchasing a building and putting a dent company in it, honestly, but um, so get a good name, track customer information, have an exit strategy and um, get a retail facility going. And customer service. Yeah. yeah. Customer service, of course. But I mean, that's huge. You know, yeah. That's the and only- I think you can do that. And especially like for a younger guy that's in his 20s, even 30s, even 40s. Uh, this is the ticket for the future. Make sure you've got your scanners. Make sure you're doing everything legitimately. Make sure you understand the industry. Yeah. So, yeah. and then live by it and just just back everything up with customer service. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you'll have a good life and then you have an exit strategy. So don't like do Smith's dent or paintless dent repair. Yeah. Um, think of a jazzy name. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I, I love that. I think that's like the game plan right there for anybody who is potentially looking to have an exit strategy is start going down that road and doing those things. And like Randy said, pay attention to the industry, the pre-scans, the post-scans, the, um, the new tooling, the, how you're supposed to conduct, you know, electric, if you're gonna do electric vehicles, a bunch of learn how to power them down, like all, all those things that you're again, legitimize what we're doing. Let's be honest. That's what is happening in this industry. And if you're not going to go down that path, um, then in five or 10 years from now, then you'll, you know, you'll be the guy that's just still, still goes to the dealership accounts and doesn't have a legitimate business, <laughs> which is what most of us have been for the last 20, 30 years. Most of us, not all of us, right. but most of us. Um, anything else to finish up before we, before we wrap up? Um, usually a little shorter podcast, but you know what? Like the, all the information's there. Like there was no beating around the bush on this 30, 40 minutes. We got in and out and showed you how to enter into an industry and leave the industry. 
Um, yeah. You have any I, other I advice? One of the biggest, one of the biggest keys, Corey, and I, I know you'll agree with this is stink, stinking thinking. Stop your stinking thinking. Um, you know, your our own brain has so much garbage inside of it, but it's got this big dumpster in it. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to empty that out every night, yeah. and you you've got to start fresh every morning. And if you're a dent guy and you're doing routes, uh, or if you're somebody's looking into doing dents. Uh, maybe you're a hail chaser, you want to get out of it, and yeah. you've always wanted to do a retail location. You just got to do it. Don't let your mind talk your talk you out of it. Yeah, you know. So there, 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 thinking, there, will, be, there will be bad days, though. I I, I always like to. Some people think that because I have this podcast and talk about mindset and do all this that I don't have bad days. Yesterday was absolutely terrible from from beginning to end uh, in my in my head it wasn't a terrible day i still built a decent number i still took care of customers but there was a lot of issues i had um, some restore effects product that didn't ship in time and i ran out of that so i drove an hour to go borrow some from a, another local place i i uh, made a mistake on the vehicle now i have to solve that today um there was a bunch of things that happened and yesterday it was one of those days and every person has this. I'm like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> what do I, yeah. I should just, I should just go back to just fixing dents on my own, go get my job back. Right. And just fix dents, make a bunch of money, get home at four 30 and everything's fine. We all have those, have those thoughts. Um, right. but I know in the end, that's not what I want to create. Um, so get rid of this thing and thinking, go do it. Um, try to become what you're capable of becoming, but in the process of that, there will be some bad days that you have to kick in the, the next morning, you know, go sleep on it, come back the next day, starts all over again. Right. That's the entrepreneurial experience, I guess. <laughs> that is it. That's it. So thanks for coming on, man. And thanks for doing uh, PDR interviews. And um, that, that was obviously a pivotal, you know, uh, informational spot for a lot of people to get stuff on Facebook um, there's a lot of people that be in and out PDR interviews, different podcasts, Ryan shuts live kind of yep. show. I don't know exactly what to call that. A Facebook live show, I guess. Um, all those things for, for, so thanks for doing that because all of that, all of that matters. Everybody sitting here putting information out really helps move the industry forward in their own, in their own way. You know, Corey, and honestly, thank you for what you're doing because, uh, the podcast, so many guys listen to them. Uh, it's hard to get somebody to go on Facebook and watch a 15 minute video. And some of those things are hour and hour and a half videos. And, uh, you know, but thank you for what you're doing. You know, I think between all of us and the positivity we're reaching, we're trying to reach everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's so many great things happen in the industry. Yeah. And there's, uh, you get a guy here or there that's runs his mouth or whatever, but, uh, to those guys, stop your stinking thinking. <laughs> but Corey, to guys like you and Ryan Shutt and everybody else that's being a part a part of the positive movement that's happening, uh, thank everybody. I'm gonna miss everybody. Uh, I am definitely stepping out of the industry, and I'm gonna pursue a dream that I've had for many years, and that's uh, uh, the wine industry. That's awesome. I'm, I'm big in the wine industry here, and. And our vineyard association where the we were the first ones that's really um, cool so fun yeah. fact i grew yes. up on a vineyard yeah you did in lodi nice. california wow which um so napa napa california which is the, probably everybody in the world if you've ever had a glass of wine you've heard of napa california yes. um lodi california produced more tonnage of grapes 
last I heard. But Napa's way yeah. cooler, right? Take the limo and go yeah. tour the wineries. But as far yeah. as like actual creation of wine, apparently Lodi is uh, the redheaded stepchild in that. But my grandfather um, uh, purchased 20 acres, 19 something acres. And I grew up um, and then gave part of a little piece of it in, uh, to my parents who built a house on it. Um, and I grew up around 18 acres of, of wine grapes. <laughs> so isn't that something? So where I live an hour outside of Missouri or outside of St. Louis uh, is called Augusta, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're the number, we're the oldest wine, wine. We have the oldest wineries in the United States. I think the first ones came out of Kentucky, believe it or not. Very cool. And, uh, but yeah. Kentucky uh, with the alcohol, man, geez, they got wine. They got the, they got the bourbon. <laughs> oh, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, we were shut down in prohibition. The winemaking was shut down here in prohibition. That's when Napa really took over. And, but there's a huge movement here and I'm, I'm excited to become a part of that. Really cool. That's man. my goal. That's Definitely my goal. Cool. So I like that. Good for you. Um, I think I might title this podcast stinking thinking with Randy Hobson or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I think that'll be fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, I appreciate it. And hopefully a lot of people hear this story and, and kind of like close that book of almost 30 years of you in the PDR industry and what you've done for it. And, and I appreciate it and uh, good luck in all your new ventures. Man. Honestly, for real. Thanks, man. I can't wait to see you at uh, MTE. You're going to MTE. I'm going to, it's going to be my last MTE. One last shot. Okay. That's really cool. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. I'll be in the radio row section. So maybe you can come on and I'd, yeah, I would love to. An hour or two or something, a guest host on the PDR Coach podcast or something like that. There you go, man. Would love um, to. I, I love this industry. It's been so good to me. For sure. I love all you guys in it. And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody one last time. Thanks, Randy. We'll okay. talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for The PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.